I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, here's the visual. He is across the room, and I'm behind the microphone here in Studio K at KDK 100.1 FM AM 1020, getting ready for the Organic Gardener. And we always begin by giving you an opportunity to win a gift certificate from Sorgles out in Wexford, where I have been a couple of times over the last few weeks, and they are getting all ready for the spring months, which are just weeks away. And if you'd like that $25 gift certificate, be caller 10 at 412-922-1020. Without further ado, here he is, lots to get to. Plus, we're going to get to Kathy and Imperial. She's been waiting a few minutes, and she needs to talk to Doug about pink pine cones. But in the meantime, <laughs> he's got other things on his mind. Good morning, Doug. No, I'm just thinking pink pine cones. I already started searching. Well, well, or, as we, as we, in, or as we said in stereo to Samantha, pink pine, pine cones? cones? <laughs> anyway. Did you see the snow moon this morning? I did see the snow moon this morning. Pretty cool. It was. February. February. Birds are singing. Snowdrops are up. T minus 41 days until we're planting our peas. We've made the transition. The days are getting longer, and we are only one month away from the Home and Garden Show. I am so excited. I've got so many plans for this year's show. I'm going to have nearly 100 containers filled with plants, free seeds, gardening displays, composting. Uh, lo- I'm in this area with local farms and vendors, everything from like artis- artisan cheeses to honey and even a place to rent a chicken. <laughs> I'll be speaking at the home show at least once a day, sometimes twice. And anybody who listens to this show will be able to get into the Home and Garden Show for free. More details about that as we get closer. Let's see. What else do I have here, Rob, before we get to the phones? Uh, Well, after the first break, we'll hear from two people from this place called Garden for Wildlife. And I talked to them in Baltimore at the Mance Trade Show. And we're talking about a unique way to find hyper-local native plants how to certify your property as a wildlife habitat, and we'll talk attracting birds. That's all at 7.15. All right, let's talk to Kathy about her pink pine cones. All right, Kathy, what's the, about these pink pine cones that you need to know? Wow, you guys are all intrigued, huh? We sure are. <laughs> so am I. Okay, so this tree popped up in our backyard a couple years ago. We've let it grow, and it's real tall now. It's like 20 feet high. Okay, so it has these year-round. Right now, out there, the leaves are all off of it. But it has these pink pine cone looking like, I don't know, almost like um, they, they have like little clusters of flowers in a way. Because we have a little pool back there. And those, the flowers from those cones will, like when the wind blows, they're always on top of my pool. And they're real teeny tiny. It's like a 
it's like the shape of a pine cone, but it's a cluster of very small little like flowers. Is it a darker pink, almost a, a purple? Oh, uh, it's it's more, uh, yeah, like a dark pink, but I wouldn't say a purple. Almost like a um, an orangey pink in a way, you mm. know. And then it has like the leaves on it are they kind of look fern like, you know what I mean? Like um, um. Like they're long and slender. So my and guess, my guess, I, w- I want to see a picture. We'll be able to tell right off the back from a picture. If you can shoot a picture, send it to me at dougoster.com through the uh, contact button. But I'm guessing sumac. Um, okay. You know, that, that, that has that kind of flower, and it is that vibrant color. Not really mm-hmm. a pine cone, but more like a flower, and kind of yeah, tightly packed great. together. If you yeah. If you go out to that plant and you just kind of, take a little piece of that flower off and kind of crack the stem. If it has a really strong smell, that's a sumac. Does that mean it, it's, well, I know there's poison. That's not like the poison. No, no, this is different. This is actually, this oh. is, this is a, this sumac is, is, uh, even though it's a weed, it is a good pollinator plant, you know, and the birds love it. Uh, and you know, one just kind of, if it is sumac, one thing that, uh, beekeepers use those flowers, they dry them out and they put them in their smoker because it, it calms down the bees just a little Oh, wow. Side story there. That the leaves, I mean, that the flowers, the cones stay on it all winter. Like right. Look outside, and they're all on there. Yeah. Send me a picture, and we'll we'll be able to tell you for sure what it is, and then we'll talk about it next week. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Got another call, Rob, or we want to talk? Keep talking. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, winter seed sowing. Do I have enough time to do winter seed sowing? Yeah, you got enough. All right. So if you don't want to start your seeds like I do, like indoors under the lights and everything. I actually just ordered two uh, heat mats to, to for germination. But if you don't want to have the lights inside and, and getting started early that way, winter seed sowing is a way where you can plant now in little containers, stick them outside in the winter, and they'll just sprout when they want to. And so a lot of people use uh, like a one-gallon milk jug. And they'll just take some scissors and kind of cut it, cut it so that you just leave a little bit on the on the back, so it's like a hinge. Drill the drill the holes in the bottom. You got to have drainage. Fill it up with uh, a good moist planting mix, and then you put your seeds in. It's really good for cool weather crops, uh, lettuce and greens and stuff like that. But anything can be sown that way, and it's kind of a su- surprise for people. Uh, the only thing I guess I wouldn't want to do, I don't know if I'd say I wouldn't want to, but I'd be worried about would be like peppers or something like that, just because I think they might be started too late. But I don't know. It'd be fun to play with. And yeah, you know, people use like uh, anything, any translucent or transparent container would work. You know, milk jugs, clamshell things. I saw uh, somebody use a, like a big kind of ice cream thing that was plastic and transparent, you know, and you get the lid on there. So you, you, you close that off. And when things heat up in the spring, as you know, like they're doing, you know, as the days get longer, we open up that lid sometimes and they'll, you know, you'll have lots of sprouts that way. Uh, when we're talking about planting from seed, one of the reasons we do that is just to grow something different. You know, our nurseries, they do a great job at producing all sorts of different cool stuff to plant but sometimes there's just something you fall in love with or there's something that intrigues you that you can't get at your local nursery and that's one of the reasons that we grow from seed you know a, 
also it's certainly satisfying to see something go from that small little seed all the way to fruition in just you know a short time just a few months and so we'll talk a little bit more about winter seed sowing as we get going but it's just something that you can work on now if if you're uh you know like me just you're you're itching to garden I just want to get out there, and, and but it's too early. Bringing in compost, stuff like that, you know, uh, we're going to have a, a warm week here, and so we should get, like I said, more snowdrops blooming, some other early stuff to, to start, which is so exciting. One more real quick thing. Uh, I posted at my uh, website, dougoster.com, for uh, Black History Month. I did a story a year ago on a guy named Ralph Brock. And he was the first African-American forester in the U.S. And it was right here in PA. And it's a pretty interesting story how his story was basically lost to time. And then they found all these letters in 1966 that explained his whole story. And I think it's pretty fascinating. That's at DougOster.com. Tell them what's coming up after the break. We'll be talking to a couple people from Garden for Wildlife. This is an interview I did at Mance, which is the trade show in Baltimore. We're talking about a really unique way to find super local native plants, certifying your property as a wildlife habitat, and then we'll talk about attracting birds too as soon as we come back. And two weeks from today, Rob Cruel Jack Spring Checklist, Davy Tree returns. Davy's back. We'll be back. Back on Rob Pratt Sunday, it is the Organic Gardener, your host, Doug Oster, DougOster.com, and here is the interview we alluded to moments ago right now on KDKA. Doug? Well, back in Baltimore... Uh- Interviews I got while I was at Mance, Mid-Atlantic Nursery Trade Show. I'm here with Shubber Ali and Mary Phillips. They're from Garden for Wildlife. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Hi. I want to hear all about the birds. <laughs> Great. And how you guys uh, connected, uh, you know, through the National Wildlife F- Federation. Sure. Thanks so much for having us. Um, really thrilled to be on here. Um, so National Wildlife Federation has uh, been around since uh, 1938. Uh, we're one of the largest conservation organizations in the country, uh, and we're a federation of many other uh, conservation organizations. Uh, in 1973, we launched uh, the Garden for Wildlife Certified Wildlife Habitat Program. Um, we are celebrating our 50th year. Very excited. And um, the demand for people gardening for wildlife Uh, putting food, water, cover, places to raise young uh, into their uh, gardens and habitats where people live. Because so much of our wildlife comes through areas that we also live in. And so in 1973, we launched this program and we're now over 300,000 certified wildlife habitats. And a big component of these um, really do help birds with the kind of plants. What we found is that the increased demand particularly in the last five years, has been phenomenal for native plants. So we launched GardenForWildlife.com, which Shubber is now leading to really get the most plants uh, to the right place for people. So Shubber, how is this right for you, what you're doing here? Well, so actually I am also customer number one of the program. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the challenges that I found was, and I've been, I've been doing this, this uh, gardening for years, and for the longest time I would go just to the local garden center and buy pretty plants that I thought were good for my yard. And it was only when I started doing the research and reading, you know, books by like, you know, Dr. Tallamy and others that I, that I discovered that while I thought I was doing the right thing, I wasn't actually planting the things that the birds and the pollinators needed, not just for them, but for their young. 
And so it became really important to plant the right plants. And so what I would then find myself doing was spending literally hours in the garden centers Googling each plant one after another going, is this native to my area? Because native, a lot of people use the term native, but native, everything's native somewhere. It has to be native to where I live. And so the more I was looking, the more I was getting frustrated by not finding plants. I'd spend three or four hours to end up with two plants. And so I was like, we need to have a place that makes it easy for customers to be able to just go in, punch in their zip code, and only see the plants that are native to their area, and then be able to buy them by clicking a button and have them show up on their doorstep, which especially in this kind of post-COVID world, people are used now to having things arrive for them. So how do we make that happen? So that's the business we launched. So if, being from Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. I can log on. Yes. I can tell you my zip code. Yep. And you'll be able to tell me what? We will show you literally collections and individual plants that are species specifically native to your area and then show you the impact they will have on pollinators, on birds, etc. for your area. So you won't be shown plants for California or for Florida or even for, say, Eastern Asia, which are the kind of plants you'll oftentimes find in the garden center. How do we decide what a native plant is? Sure. So a native plant are those that have um, been naturally here for you know, really hundreds to thousands of years. Um, plants that have been brought over from Europe or other things, they might have naturalized here, but they're not really native to the U.S. And one of the reasons it's so important it's native is the host plant uh, ability of these native plants. Only uh, certain native plants support the certain wildlife. So, for example, the monarch cannot survive without milkweed. Um, and not only that, these host plants provide hundreds of caterpillars, and this is tying back to the great interest here in birds, is that these plants are absolutely essential because 96% of most birds are insect eaters. And they need so many uh, caterpillars, a brood of chickadees, for example, um, they need at least 9,000 caterpillars to survive. So that's a lot of caterpillars. And if you have a garden full of these native plants and their host plants, for butterflies and moths, um, you're actually providing these kinds of insects for them, also for their species to survive, but also some for the birds. Okay, so I am a bird lover, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to grow things that the birds like. I'm feeding the birds, but that part about the chickadees and their caterpillars, yeah. those adults feeding their young are helping us garden. Exactly. Yes. So what are some of the things we should think about if we want those birds to come yeah. towards our garden. So one of the things that we do is really try to encourage people to put in these elements of food, water, cover, and places to raise young. Um, and you can do a bulk of those elements um, with native plants. Those are the elements of habitat. And we actually certify people's yards that um, are actually providing those elements. Um, and one of the key things though, is to put in this variety and diversity of host plants, as well as shrubs and trees, because the shrubs and trees actually support higher and higher numbers of these caterpillars and insects that are so critical to these birds. And of course, we don't wanna be using any chemicals in Correct. the garden when we're trying to attract birds and you know, you don't want yeah your bird catching some caterpillar that has some kind of yeah. terrible yep. chemical on it, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, in fact, I certified my own yard uh, a couple of years ago, and it was great because, you know, I put in a water feature where the birds can get because they need, they need more than just food. Mm -hmm. But what's really nice is you actually see the change that happens yes. in the yard. The amount of wildlife and birds specifically that have come back to my yard in the last two years is phenomenal. When I look just compared to my neighbor's yards, how much more is in my yard now? We even got to the point now where we have a nesting pair of hawks yes. in, in the tree in our, in our front yard. 
And what Shepard's describing is actually been studied. There's been a study we participated with five metro areas across the United States, and they actually showed that the yards that had these native plants and these elements um, actually showed a greater diversity um, over yards of different types of native birds. So talk about a couple of things that I might want to think about planting in my garden to attract the birds. So any of the collections that we offer on GardenForWildlife.com have host plants in them that provide the caterpillars, um, as well as um, other areas of cover. We have a really great summer songbird collection um, that has a variety of habitats as well as um, grasses. Uh, for because that's the other thing birds need uh, places to hide places to have their nesting or nest materials So those would be examples, but actually specific species would be um, Echinacea echinacea is awesome. Also for the finches um, love the seed heads um, Obviously all of our milkweeds uh, provide that host plant uh, for the monarch butterfly Which also provides these caterpillars um, as well as some of the grasses that we have uh, in our uh, little blue stem and others What's the best way for people to get a hold of you guys to find out what's going on here? Just just visit our website. It's www.gardenforwildlife.com. Gardenforwildlife.com. Thank you both for taking time out of your experience here at Mance to talk to me. That's good stuff. Thank it you. It's so great to meet you. Thank you so much. Well, I had a lot of fun talking to both of them. And of course, I'm really into attracting the birds. We attract the birds now because they form this foraging route that they'll continue. When we talked about those thousands of caterpillars that the chickadees have to have to feed their young. Yeah, that's that's so much fun to sit in the vegetable garden and watch those birds hunting off the cabbage, getting those cabbage worms all off for you. They are helping us garden and so, uh, yeah, check out uh, Garden for Wildlife. I really enjoyed talking to them, and it's a, a great, uh, great program. All right, what are we going to do when we come back? Your calls. Let's talk. Let's talk about gardening. You know, last night I was out, and I had some great conversations about gardening. Everyone's excited about getting started. Are you going to grow something different? So give us a call. 866-391-1020. Now also preview the up-and-coming Duquesne Light Home and Garden Show March 3rd. It begins the David L. Lawrence Convention Center in downtown Pittsburgh. All right, number to dial. To get in with Doug, get that question. You've got to start dialing right now. 866-391-1020. 866-391-1020. He always takes questions after the show, so if you want to get one there, in you can go to DougOster.com. Tenth caller wins an incredible $25 gift certificate to Janoski's and Clinton. Just told about that incredible Valentine's Day event, February the 11th, coming up. You can find out more about that at Janoski's.com. Hey, let's go to the phones. Up first, it's Lee in New Kensington on KDKA for Doug Oster. Hi, Lee. Good morning, Doug. I really like your show. I have a question about a shumac tree. I've been cutting it down three times over the last five years and it keeps coming back. Is there a stump killer I can kill those uh, trees from sprouting? That's interesting that you would bring that up since we talked about sumacs in the beginning of the show. Uh, yeah, like we said, sumac is a, a weed. And so every time you do hack it down, it's going to sprout up. The best thing really to do how big is the uh, the trunk? It's about uh, every year it gets to be about two to five, two to three inches. I just I'd get in there and with a pickaxe and kind of cut it up, and then even that you're gonna you're gonna leave pieces of root in there. But then when you see those little ones come up, get after those two, and you'll win. You'll win the battle. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to 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 do it, in my opinion. So there's no, nothing you paint on the stump after you cut it off to, to keep it from sprouting. 
Not really because it's going to go around that. It's going to sprout from anywhere down in those roots. I try to get that out of there the best I can. And then I continue top cutting it, you know, because again, it's just always going to send up little shoots on the sides. That's just what they do. Get in there and dig as much of it as you can out. That's small enough where you'll be able to do it. And you'll you'll make just great progress on it. Okay. Good hey, luck, though. By the way, you know, with two weeks and counting before Rob Krulljack is here in Spring Checklist, uh, and even though Punxsutawney Phil said six more weeks of winter, as the temperature went from sub-zero yesterday to balmy today, and we're expecting to be around 50, right now we're at 38 uh, I guess you could start taking a peek at some spring fix-up projects, right? Well, you know, when you bring up Davey, the, we talk about this time of the year. This is our time for pruning certain types of trees. Uh, we can't prune these if they start sprouting, which won't happen for, you know, two months. But it's it's a time to have the trees inspected. It's look up, look down, you know, have a certified arborist come take a look uh, because they're not as busy as they would be during the season. And you can learn a lot about the trees and such this time of the year when the leaves are off there can take a look at that uh another thing to do would be check on your stored tubers if you've like me save dahlias and cannas and callas and all sorts of other stuff uh, take a look at them see if they're sprouting see if they're rotting see if they're drying out i'm going to try some new stuff this year and i'm pretty excited about it and mrs know-it-all uh, she talked about this colocasia, which is is an elephant ear, and it's called Royal Hawaiian Waikiki, and I, I already got it coming. So it's a 2023 All-America Selection ornamental winner. So it has these just pink veins and with creamy white centers into a green leaf. It just looks really cool. That You know, again, that's Part of the fun of gardening is growing something different, and I can't wait for that one. And I was looking at something else, and I saw it at Phipps a couple years ago. It was in one of the shows, I think a spring show, and it's a type of canna called Cleopatra. And I was really taken by the flowers because they were they were kind of every one was a little different with a, a combination of red and yellow, and sometimes some yellow with red variegation. Just and I, I was like, well, how does this happen? So I looked it up. Uh, Cleopatra is an unstable canna hybrid, so that's why it does something different every time. Uh, and it's really beautiful, but I didn't realize it, it goes all the way back to like 1895. <laughs> uh, and so again, you know, looking for something cool to, to, to plant, something different. For the first time, I'm growing chickpeas. I don't know anything about uh, growing chickpeas, but my wife wants chickpeas. And so kitchen garden seeds, I got a, a variety from them. It's called Pascia, P-A-S-C-I-A. And again, you know, it's fun to try something completely weird, completely different. And I'm sure, I mean, chickpea, I'm just thinking it's going to grow kind of like a bean. So I'm, that's what I'm going to do is grow it like a bean and see how it does, and I'll figure out how to harvest it and all that. Uh, other things we're doing is getting ready for the season. Uh, when Mrs. Nodal does come on, she's going to talk about getting her seeds in a row and what she does to prepare for seed sowing. So that'll be interesting to talk about. And 
also got a couple seats left for Tuscany. If you're interested in coming with me to Tuscany, uh, go to DougOster.com. I'm going for two trips. The first one's sold out. The second one, I have a few seats left. It's the least expensive trip I've ever offered for Europe. Um, we're gonna we have a lot of fun when we go do that. And uh, like I said, I'll be stuck in Italy for 18 days. Poor me. <laughs> At least you'll maybe have a glass of wine or two. Oh, I don't know, maybe. But now, is there food, traditional Italian food as we know it, or is it like old, old world recipes? It can be both. You, you really? never know what you're going to end up with there. I was telling the story yesterday when I was talking to my garden friend uh, that it was served this like weird pizza. You know, I, I couldn't, it was a pizza with like asparagus on it, but in the center it had a little dish of like a white sauce with little itty bitty cheese balls in it. And I looked at the waitress and I pointed to it and she just motioned me just to pour it onto the pizza. And oh man, I took half the pizza back to the bus for one of my friends I was traveling with because it was amazing. And you know, when we do these trips, uh, we've got this tour manager who takes you everywhere. He knows he's a local guy. He knows everything. And that's what makes it so easy. You don't really have to know much of anything except be on the bus at 8 a.m. We're going to go somewhere and then we're going to have some fun. Uh, also, um, last year I started doing garden consults here and there, if that interests you. You know, I do them as cheap as I can do them. And if you, I'm thinking about spring, I was thinking about this the other day that if you needed some help with your garden, uh, come out and take a look, uh, do my best. And I have a video at dougoster.com showing how, and this was from Pittsburgh Today Live last week, one of a, you know, when you're going to have a nice weather like this, go out and cut some forsythia, some pussy willows. You know, your witch hazel might already be blooming, but some of these spring shrubs that haven't bloomed yet, you can force them to bloom. And so the, the video at dougoster.com, it's, there's nothing to it. You know, all you, you know, for forsythia you just, or pussy willows, you just go out there, you just snip them off, you kind of cut the bottoms of the branches just to allow water in, stick them in a vase and, Seven, nine days later, you get these beautiful blooms. Um, I, I do it every year with forsythia, and I could do it a couple times. The other thing that I'm, I'm getting going right now are paper whites. I love paper whites, and paper whites are just one of those love or hate things as far as their fragrance, and I'm doing fragrance in, in quotation, air quotes. <laughs> uh, I love the way paper whites smell. But lots of people don't. Uh, to me, it smells like spring. Uh, this is just these little white indoor daffodils that you can, you know, you buy a bulb for a buck a piece at your local nursery and just stick them in a pot. And I just enjoy seeing them bloom. I have some amaryllis that are reblooming. And that's the thing when you're thinking about paper whites and amaryllis, if you treat them both the same way, they can rebloom. And so if you got a, an amaryllis or paper whites or both for like the holidays and they're done blooming, we remove any of those flower stalks, but leave the foliage, grow it as a house plant. And then when we get to the end of the summer, we just, we stop all the watering, all the fertilization and let them both go dormant and they'll just dry up completely. Let them sit for six or eight weeks. And then they kind of tell you, if they want to wake up again, uh, they'll uh, they'll send up buds. And I was always taught with paper whites, when they're done, you just throw them in the compost pile. But 
I accidentally left some in the greenhouse. They overwintered and rebloomed. And so I'm doing the same thing. And, you know, every year I'm getting a new amaryllis, but the older ones, they're like 50-50. They'll bloom as they're ready, you know, and I've got some getting ready to bloom now. It, again, it's just it's something that keeps us sane uh, for the winter until we can start planting. In exactly 41 days, the peas go in the ground, Rob. It won't be long. All right, short break. And on the other side of a quick look at sports in this timeout, it'll be Mrs. Know-It-All. Don't forget, coming up at 8, Rob Taylor is here with the latest news. More on that East Palestine train derailment. And the balloon has been popped, something we're going to be talking about in depth in the 9 o'clock hour. And the ramifications, which I think whether you believe it or not, are pretty serious. And also we're going to be talking about how I believe you could actually find a way to spend a little cash and do some good by upping the number when it comes to rank-and-file members of law enforcement in the city of Pittsburgh. 10 o'clock, Baird, your money and you. And then two hours of the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday Show, all still to come today with your Pratt Pack on KDKA. Good morning. All right, back with Doug, and time for the curtain to come up because she is back. That's right. Horticulturalist Denise Schreiber is Mrs. Know-It-All. Good morning, Denise. How are you? And you had a comment. I saw you uh, texted me about the Tree of Heaven and sumac. Yes, and sumac is actually a native plant. Um, The seed heads, you know, feed all kinds of wildlife. But, uh, and the gentleman didn't say exactly where, it's growing, you know, if it's in his vegetable garden, obviously he doesn't want it there. But if it's in the landscape towards the back of your property, it's a great tree to have. Fabulous fall color. Just, you know, it's spectacular. Now, Tree of Heaven, which looks very similar and has a similar growth habit, actually you can tell the difference in the fall. Sumac has those cone-like seed heads. Whereas Tree of Heaven has clusters of uh, winged, uh, not what we call them, uh, helicopters mostly is how people were, but there'll be huge clumps of them. And that's the best way to tell. But if you go on Google, you can, you know, Google the difference between them. And the leaves are different as well. They're very similar. One is smooth. One has a jagged edge on it. You know, and that you do want to remove because that is a primary nesting place for spotted lanternfly. Mm-hmm. So you do want to get them out. But, you know, tell him to take a look before he starts hacking. So what were you thinking about uh, seeds and planting? Okay, so seeds. So what professional growers do, and I do, you know, on a smaller basis, is you take a calendar. You know, go get one of those calendars that have the big blocks in them and then look at your seeds and see how long it says the packet will tell you you know uh, 25 days to harvest you know or you know there's 15 days of for germination so on the calendar we use mother's day as kind of a typical uh, time to plant so just in the corner i always mark it you know i go 20 to one, you know, just week 20, week 19. And the beginning of each week, I write in the seeds that I have to start that week. And, you know, some like hmm, eggplant, actually, it's a good time to start eggplant now because the seeds take a long time to germinate and for the plant to grow. 
there's others like my tomatoes. I don't start them till mid March, and I know you always want the first tomato. It's just easier to go buy an early tomato, like early girl, rather than you know trying to get everything out there because a lot of times you end up with these tall, leggy trees that are actually tomatoes. And you know when you're starting your seeds and you you know you figure out when you want to harvest them or when you want to plant them. You want to include the germination time. You know, some seeds have a germination rate of like five to seven days. There's others like parsley can be up to 23 days. So you need to include that in your timing when you're sowing the seed. So, you know, right now, you know, there's really not a whole lot to start. Come March is when we're going to get really busy. And you want to stagger them so you're not like starting all your seeds, you know, the same week. You'll be overrun and some of them will be too early to go outside and others will be, you know, ready to get transplanted out into the great blue yonder out there. You know, we're just about out of time, but real quick, how many flats are you starting, you know, for your operation? For, For me... I, it, it varies because sometimes there's things that I only want a few plants of. So I usually do about 10 flats for me, you know, and I use uh, like the 20 row cedars that I used at work, you know, so, but I always make sure the seeds that I'm starting, I may share the seed tray with another one. I want to make sure that they need the same conditions, whether they need lots of light um, bottom heat. Yeah, that's great advice. Can't wait to get mine started. Answering questions after the show at DougOster.com. Learn more about my off-the-beaten Tuscany trip and check out how to get a free packet of 3945 tomato seeds, the one originally found on a battlefield during World War II. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow in every garden you grow. I'll give you a few seconds. Home and Garden Show, March 3rd. Oh, I cannot wait. You won't believe what we've got planned there. You know, worms and renting chickens, and I'll be speaking and giving away seeds and a hundred different containers of plants. It's going to be amazing. And you and a chicken have one thing in common when it comes to that show. You'll both be cooped up for about two weeks. You'll be there every day. All right, good stuff, Doug. Thanks. Stay with us. News at 8, coming up next. Good morning. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.